our question is, what's the smallest set of musical instruments that you could smuggle on without getting caught? Because that's how we think, right? I mean, that's like, you know, maybe if you a say harmonica. These, well, this is it. Like, you know, yeah. could you bring, you know, like the recorders that you play in fifth grade? Mm-hmm. Those are the worst. Worst or the best, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And welcome, Sam, my fabulous co-host. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Brian. Happy to be here for another bonus show, especially with our, I'm going to call him a celebrity guest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't know that he would call himself that, but I'm going to call him that. All right. Well, We've got Lynn Testa with us, everybody, and so uh, you're going to hear very little from us today and a lot from Lynn. That's our goal, because Lynn just had uh, his first experience on board the Disney Wish, and I find that Lynn always comes to approach these kinds of things with a very different perspective than uh, some others out there who are cruising enthusiasts, and so I really wanted to get Lynn's take on the Wish, and so we're excited to talk to him about that tonight. So, Lynn, welcome once again to our show. We really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me on, Brian. I, uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, and hello again, Sam. Yeah, so um, so since the last time I was on, I think most of my cruising has been on Virgin, oh, um, which is a completely different experience than, than Disney. For one thing, it's adults only. And number two, it's sort of a, a completely different vibe, if you will. And, uh, and I hadn't been on a... I, I had tried to get on the Wish... In July, not the inaugural cruise, but one of the quick, one of the ones quickly after the inaugural, and um, and my cruise was one of the ones that was affected by the delay in the launch. So I actually got pushed out. So um, I still have a credit floating around somewhere on Disney's website for that uh, for that cruise. But this one we had scheduled over a year ago, and it was part of our podcast, the Disney Dish podcast. So it was calling. We were calling it the uh, the Disney Dish on the Disney Wish. <laughs> thank you yeah totally totally we actually had uh had i think come up with the idea of the cruise before disney named the ship so the rhyming part was complete luck oh but, wow yeah i know yeah it was good so yeah the, i think we're joking that the uh uh we need to change the podcast name to rhyme with treasure for the next ship we'll see what, see what <laughs> for good know. measure we're exactly on the disney treasure the, the disney podcast for good measure on the disney treasure right, right. good idea thank you sam exactly. going with that Getting t-shirts You're welcome. made. That. You're welcome. I'm expecting royalties for that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Just uh, I'll send a check. Yeah, just uh, yeah. <laughs> the um, so the and we had around sixty cabins, you know, booked for for this particular event, which was which kind of good because when Jim and I originally announced the event, we were like, worst case scenario is Jim, it's just you and me. Like no one else shows up. <laughs> but you know, we're in the Caribbean. We have some podcast podcasting equipment. We have some drinks. Like, what could go wrong? Exactly, exactly. So for those who don't know Len, he is the creator of the Touring Plans, uh, which is that famous tool that tells you what order to do your rides at the parks in. Um, And it's, you know, he obviously created the algorithm and everything behind it. He is the owner of it, which includes Touring Plans Travel. uh, And obviously, he is a co-host of the Disney Dish podcast. So And and a co-author of several unofficial guides as well. Yeah, (laughs) I wrote the original version of the uh, the unofficial guide to the Disney Cruise Line. So I've been on all of the cruises, sorry, all of the Disney cruise ships, including the Wish. I've done, um, I think, all, all of the Caribbean itineraries many of the west coast ones i haven't done the med 
or the Northern European ones yet. But we, I mean, my, my co-author, uh, Aaron Foster has done those and Aaron does a, Aaron basically does most of the writing for that book now. And she does a fabulous job at it. No, Aaron's Aaron's great. We got a chance to meet her on the Wish uh, in person with her daughter. I believe I she's she she on a cruise now. I think she's on the Dream, like literally as we're recording this right now. So <laughs> living her best she life. Is. Yeah, of course, that's fantastic. <laughs> she's not. She's not standing over your shoulder, you know, giving you answers. That's and telling uh, you what to say. <laughs> oh yeah, correcting me when I'm wrong. Yeah, she'll do that later on. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So this was this was my first experience on the and the Wish. And I gotta say, like you know, prior to the Wish, my favorite ships were definitely the Dream class ships. Like depending on the itinerary, and frankly, the price. You know, the Dream or the Fantasy were the two ships that I liked the best. My least favorite ship is the Wonder. Magic is sort of somewhere in between there, mainly because I like the bars and the spas on Disney ships more than I like mm-hmm. almost anything else. And I think they do them really, really well in the Dream and Fantasy. In fact, um, I don't know if I told you guys this, but in the house, the first house that Laurel and I lived in, we actually redid our bathrooms to be like the rainforest showers on the Dream and the Fantasy. <laughs> there are photos online. You should go look them up. I am definitely going to go check that out. The, uh, it was the glass tile circular shower um, of the uh, rainforest spas. Yeah, so we liked it that much. So I'm a huge fan of Disney spas and bars. But did but did you bring the cold shower into option into your bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did bring the rainforest shower heads, <laughs> which was uh, which was a thing. Yeah. So like every morning when I woke up, it was it was like the best possible wicked experience you could have. I loved those showers. It was really really good. Well, Lynn, I was going to joke because I saw a tweet from you today. I think it was today. It's hard to know with the way the timeline set up on Twitter these days, but it, that you're going to be keeping it positive with Disney for the rest of 2022. I think it was. Right. So yeah, just, I, just let us know if we need to go ahead and just ab- abandon this show. Do we altogether. need to cancel this yeah. show altogether? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I, uh, I am excited to talk about even more magic with the Walt Disney Company. So uh, yeah, so super excited there. <laughs> So we so this, the cruise that I was on was a three day out of Port Canaveral. It was uh, September twenty third through the twenty sixth. I generally am not a fan of three day cruises because I feel like you're unpacking on night number one and you're packing on night number three. Not a whole lot of time to relax. But you know we were trying to accommodate the schedules of you know over one hundred and fifty people, and we we're also trying to keep the cost down. So three night was the best way, the best compromise there. I will say this: if you look at prices on the Dream. In the wish, the dream is sailing similar itineraries, granted out of Miami instead of um, Port Canaveral, but at about 20% less. So one of the big questions I had going on the ship was, is the wish worth a 20% premium? So we'll talk about that. But onboarding process in Port Canaveral, you know, we got there. This was my first time sailing Disney post-COVID. The here was there's something interesting. So I, I recently started playing electric guitar. It was something to do that didn't involve sitting in front of a computer. And I didn't realize you can't bring instruments musical instruments on Disney. Yeah, we were going to tease you about this, uh, Len. (laughs) And the funny thing was, like, I was on, you know, I'd gone on Virgin, like I said before, and not only will Virgin let you bring instruments on, in some staterooms, they have guitars hanging from the wall. So, you know, so I asked, you know, Disney, like, you know, why, why, if Virgin lets you do it, why doesn't Disney? And the answer I got was, um, they don't want you uh, playing for money in Nassau. And I'm like, but like, that dude, could be the see- answer because because yeah, our friend yeah. got our friend got barred. Yeah, that's just not true. Well, our friend got barred on a cruise that wasn't going to Nassau, so it can't be that. <laughs> yeah, and it, well, you know, yeah. So, but I'm like, dude, your 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 cruise costs four thousand dollars or whatever it is. Do you really think that I could afford this cruise and then have to beg for money in the Bahamas? Like what? And you know, it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. They're just saying stuff to just you know get you to put your musical instrument back. But when I, I, I talked to some friends who had brought tried to bring on things like ukuleles and they weren't allowed as well. So now. 
our question is, what's the smallest set of musical instruments that you could smuggle on without getting caught? Because that's how we think, right? I mean, that's like, you know, maybe you a harmonica. These, well, this is it. Like, you know, yeah. could you bring, you know, like the recorders that you play in fifth grade? Mm-hmm. Those are the worst. Worst or the best, Sam? <laughs> well, the worst. And then can you imagine anything more annoying than sitting at like Satellite Falls and having somebody <laughs> like playing hot cross buns on the recorder? Right. So we, we had thought a, an orchestra made up of harmonicas, recorders, and triangles, you know, the ding, 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 yes. <laughs> that we could probably get those on the ship. And then the question was, what kind of music could we play once we're on the ship with that? So I'd go a different route, Lynn. I'd go covert. Like, can you bring on a washboard, you know, a bucket <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a string? You know? Some things that are right. not actually yeah, yeah. instruments, but can be played as Country Bear Jamboree version two. Let's yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. So, so we learned this lesson actually in 2018 at our first cruise, Len. A friend of ours that was with us brought, it's actually not even a true guitar. It's just a, they call it a practice guitar or travel guitar. And it got, it got, you know, confiscated when we were boarding. And I will tell you, Len, I play the ukulele and I would love to take my ukulele with me on board. But unfortunately, obviously I can't. So we were going to respond to your tweet, but we didn't know if this would be insensitive. Your tweet or Instagram post, I can't remember which one it was, asking what song should Len play on the wish. We were going to say, you should play Simon and Garfunkel's Sounds of Silence. <laughs> I only know two complete songs on guitar. I've only been playing for like 18 months. And they're both Van Halen songs. So uh, difficult for me to... Uh, to but I'll look. Yeah, that was the... the, the uh, yeah, but I mean, the, the interesting thing was like when I went on Virgin, so they have like uh, rock star quarters, they're called. And I was staying in the massive suite. And they actually have four really nice guitars hanging on the wall that you can play. A Fender Telecaster, a Fender Strat, a Gibson Les Paul, and uh, an Ibanez Flying V. All, each of those guitars is worth a couple thousand dollars. And they didn't have amps, right? They actually said when, they, when the cruises first started on Virgin, they had amplifiers. And the problem was noise. Right. Yeah. So you don't have amplifiers, but Brian, you said you play? Uh, I have been trying to learn to play for a while. I would not say what I do is playing. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have an iRig? Do you know what those are? No, no. It's a, a you plug your guitar into the iRig and it acts as a, an amp with effects and you plug that into your headphones. Oh, yes. Your iPhone. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. You, you can do all kinds of like interesting pedal effects using your iPhone. So, oh, cool. um, so I brought that. I brought the iRig with me and just put some headphones on. And it sounded like, you know, if you want to do scales or something like that, and you want to sound like Randy Rhodes on Crazy Train, you could totally do that. And so that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. So that was the only weird thing about the boarding process and the embarkation process in general for Port Canaveral was was good. I'm platinum these days. So the platinum boarding process is, is pretty good. Getting on the ship. I, I will say getting on the, sh- on the ship, the entrance experience into the atrium was pretty nice. I'd seen pictures of the atrium. I think it's the the one on the wish is the best design of the four ships. That was that was pretty spectacular. I did not have a chance to lay down on the carpet and do snow angels or carpet angels because there were already too many people sort of in the lobby. But the uh, the other thing that I was super interested in on getting on was seeing how the elevators were working. So you guys have heard about yes. how Disney moved the elevators around. And there are two banks of elevators now instead of three. And I heard a lot of negative things about the the elevators. I thought it was fine. Yeah, like, I didn't mind the walk to the elevators. I found them to be, you know, not especially long to wait for. The capacity it wasn't. There was only once, and it was on you know embarkation day where you know the elevator was completely full. Like I didn't feel at any time that it was substantially different than 
any other Disney Cruise Line. So that was a pleasant thing. Like I'd heard negative things about the elevators. I thought they were fine. I think the smart design decision that they did was it's not that the elevators are forward and aft like they are in the other ships and they just eliminated the middle bank. They brought them both closer in. So they're both yeah. kind of just off of midship and then you get to yeah. other places. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did hear that the walk to the aft from the aft elevators is a bit long if you are staying in a room and particularly for people in like wheelchairs, that that's a bit of a a schlep, especially because the hallways are a little bit narrow. So from an accessibility standpoint, I can continue to keep hearing through, you know, Facebook groups and, and whatnot. I agree, Len, for those of us without any mobility issues, I found it to be completely manageable. Uh, and there's more elevators between those two banks than there are between the three banks on the other ships. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, that was fine. My um my stateroom was actually nine thousand, so it's an interior stateroom uh, on deck nine. It was the farthest forward stateroom on that deck, mm-hmm. so I was the last one. So, uh, but even then, I didn't think that the walk from either bank of elevators was especially long. Granted, it was three days, and I did a lot of running around. But still, I don't think that like adding a fourth or a fifth day would have would have changed my opinion there. So I thought the elevators. So I thought the lobby was better than expected. I thought the elevator situation was better than expected. Um, another thing that I thought was much better than, than anticipated was the food on the pool deck. It's best in the fleet, I think. Yes, yeah, I, by I totally agree. And I'm talking about like the barbecue station. Yeah, it's delightful. I mean, the brisket was great. The smoked sausage was excellent. The pulled pork was good. Variety of sauces. Yeah, that was. I would have. I would have eaten there every day if I could. Pizza, I thought was was very good. I'd heard stories about there being long waits for pizza, and I can kind of see that sometimes because the um, the pizzas are made fresh instead of sitting around. But in general, the quality was worth the you know couple of minutes I had to wait. Yeah, so I think the pool deck food is a huge improvement over everything else in the fleet. I also thought Marceline Market was better than any version of Cabanas on any other ship. Like I liked the layout. I thought the variety of the food was good. I thought the um, quantity of food that they gave was just right. Anytime I wanted something like for, for breakfast, for example, I generally eat fruit and maybe, you know, an egg for protein. And, you know, I could get as much fruit as I wanted, even if you needed to, you know, pick up six little trays of <laughs> melanin, watermelon, whatever. That's fine. The, oh, I did like the, the washing station in uh, the hand washing station that you have to go through to get into Marceline Market. And there's a crew member there that doesn't make you do it, but sort of like, you know, glares at you if you try and walk past. So it's a it's a shaming mechanism. I, th- I agree with you. I, I think it's, I mean, they, they do that on the other ships as well, but it's it's sort of better positioned at Marceline Market, maybe. Yeah, I thought it was, Um, I thought the food was was really good. Our bags got there, you know, very, very fast. My stateroom attendant, Miss Lydia, was excellent. The other thing I really liked about the stateroom, so I had an inside cabin, and I thought that would be like super small. And, it, you know, it was small. Have you seen on the thermostat of these cabins, it has like an Arctic blast button? <laughs> yes. Have you seen that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did I live life without that before? That was amazing because, like, you know, it's super humid in the Caribbean, and this was pretty warm when we were there. You know, you spend all day on uh, Castaway Key, not Castaway Key, which we'll get to. But you know, you come back, you take a shower, you push the Arctic chill button, and then you hop in bed. Like, there were nights where I was under all the covers at night on a cruise ship, and that was beautiful. I really enjoyed that a lot. So the stateroom was kind of small; it was super functional. Everything worked, and I I do like what they've done with the thermostat settings. So yeah, all in all, no complaints there. So overall, good impression of the stateroom. Some some folks have said storage was an issue. Maybe that wasn't really your case because you're on a three night cruise. You know, it was just me. If I had one more adult in there, it would have been fine. If I was was going to put four people in there, yeah, I would think, you know, storage might be an issue. But you know, at that point, 
if you're making a decision where you have four people in an inside stateroom, you know that you're making compromises about things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's to be expected, especially for a three night cruise. I mean, at that point, you're thinking about things like how many clothes do I bring? Do I just take two hours to do laundry? Do I pay someone? Right. You know, there's, there's trade offs involved there, but I can see, I can see both ways there. The one thing I will say is this a number of people, had questions about both the temperature of the shower water and then how to get uh, better water pressure. Did you guys notice this? That there's like on both sides of the of the shower faucets, there's a stop yes. that you have to sort of push past to get yes. really hot water. And so for some people, the pressure, the amount of force that it took to get past that first stop was greater than they had anticipated. They thought that's as far as it goes. So like when I was talking to my sister at night one, she was like, I can't get the water past lukewarm. I'm like, oh no, you've got to, you've got to push past that. It's like a safety guard for kids. And so she figured that out because we've all been in European showers with like seven dials where you got to figure it's basically like I'm trying <laughs> to reroute figure out steam. Where, how it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, am I in a railroad situation? What, is, what do all of these valves <laughs> is, do? Is there a manual that the shower <laughs> yeah, comes yeah. in? You turn far enough one way, the ship actually does a U-turn and goes back to port. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's the one thing where um, there was some potential for confusion. I figured it out like as soon as I felt the temperature and felt the stop um, that you know that it went farther than that. But that's the sort of the one thing I would say, like just as an FYI, when you go on the on the ship, look out for that. Well, let, let's see if we can divide up your thoughts here into some kind of big bucket sections. And so I wanted to start with maybe your overall impression of the layout of the ship because some people have expressed like, oh, it's you know really hard to navigate and it's hard to tell how much of that is just folks who are used to a certain layout on the Disney ships versus folks who aren't. But what did you think of the overall just layout of the ship? You know, in general, I thought it was the right mix of familiar with Disney layouts in general versus, I don't know, you know, I can't, I can't find where anything is. I thought like the, you know, the pool deck layout, we all sort of understand that once we've been on a Disney ship. A couple of things were confusing to me, like decks three, four, five um, were not quite laid out the way that I had seen on the other ships. Mm -hmm. So like finding the hyperspace lounge was a challenge for me without using a map. The other thing that I would say in terms of layout that I really liked, and this is sort of a, I guess, a controversial opinion. I liked the layout of the pool deck with the sort of the staggered levels. It, number one, it's visually interesting. I can see how if you're a parent and you've got kids in separate pools, that keeping an eye on them could be more difficult. I thought the more smaller pools idea versus a fewer larger pools was better. I didn't really miss the the lack of a complete lap running track. I've been on on Disney ships before where I've like I was training for a half marathon and I've run a half marathon on a Disney ship before, like as training. You can't do that on the wish. But you've got treadmills, right? And you can and you can use treadmills for that. And I've trained for half marathons and marathons on treadmills too, and that's fine. So I get that, you know, you want to be outside if if it's possible, you could be outside and running on a ship. Uh, I don't know that the lack of a, a complete running track is a is a thing there. I didn't I didn't run on the ship. I guess if I was like really dedicated to running these days, I would and would have a different feeling in that, but that was the one sort of complaint, or another you know complaint that I've heard that like didn't really affect me on the uh, on the ship. But overall, yeah, I thought the layout was, I thought the layout was 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 good. It's like I said, it's just familiar enough that it was you know once you sort of knew where you were, you could figure things out. The stuff I didn't get to, and again, this was a three day cruise, and we had like completely packed itinerary. 
I still don't know where the theater is on the ship. Like I never found it. <laughs> never found it. Honestly, God, never the theater found is in it. the same place as it is on every other ship. <laughs> did not, did not get to that part of the ship. I um, did not make it into the spas because I get to three night cruise. Didn't make it to the Marvel restaurant because I went to Apollo that night. Didn't go to Entourante. So I mean, it, this is again my my ideal first cruise on a ship is a five night with a couple of um, couple of sea days where you get time to explore the ship. Didn't have that on this one, but um, yeah, overall my my impression was generally positive to much more positive than I was anticipating on it. And I say that even knowing that it was twenty percent more than you know the cost of the dream. Yeah, it's. Um... I mean, we had eight nights on board and we didn't get to do everything that we wanted to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it, yeah, there's a lot. The, there's a lot. Well, yeah. and that was even before certain things were up and running. For example, like Uncharted Adventure was not up and running. Yeah, didn't get a we chance to play on. that. Yeah. They actually had the um the developers on the, on the ship asking guests as they were playing it, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? So that was uh, that was pretty cool. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path and Winding has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. Well, we got to ask if Hank Lonely made it to Hyperspace Lounge and uh, what what he thought about Hyperspace Lounge. And I guess in the vein of, you know, did it exceed or meet expectations? Uh, you know, what, what did you think of Hyperspace Lounge? For those who don't know, you need to go back into our catalog and listen to our episode uh, with Len about the Galactic Star Cruiser. And then you'll hear all about Hank Lonely. <laughs> yeah, Hank Lonely is a character I made up for the Star Cruiser. Um, did not make an, exp- an, uh, an appearance on the ship, but I am actually doing the Star Cruiser next March 30th with uh, Jim Hill. So I'll be Hank Lonely again doing the reprising the entire thing. Nice. Will will he be um, perhaps a furry companion? You know, he has a character. It's it's Jabba the Hill, I believe, is what he's doing. (laughs) I love it. We we haven't quite come up with the backstory yet. But um, but yeah, we're going to work on it. We're going to work on it together. You know, I thought... So my favorite bar on any Disney ship is the Skyline Mm -hmm. bar. Uh, and my wife and I had, not, in addition to um, modeling our bathrooms after the rainforest sh- uh, showers, we had done, we had lived in a mid century modern house, basically all glass. The one wall that wasn't glass, we put four 60 inch plasma TVs on it to replicate sort of the Skyline Bar. <laughs> I, I like the Skyline Bar. I like, and that was the place that, that I would go like when I was on longer cruises. Where I would go and do some work because you know it's got background music, it's got scenery, it's dark. And you you know where the electrical outlets are. Like like you could do some work at the Skyline Bar during the day when they're not doing beverage tasting. 
And so Hyperspace Lounge to me was sort of like Skyline Bar, but Star Wars themed. I don't think it's as themed as I expected. Like the displays are the same displays are very, very similar to what you get on the Galactic Star Cruiser, which I appreciate because the Star Cruiser is $5,000 for two nights. So anything that you can do to bring that sort of thing to people who are only paying like $800 a night, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) great, you know, great thing. I thought other than the screens and sort of the, the drink, the bartending areas, which looked a lot like the Sublight Lounge on the Star Cruiser or August Cantina, you know, the rest of it was relatively unthemed. I thought they could have that could have been more amped up. So it was fine. The drinks were okay. N- nothing super special to me. The thing that I again I didn't get to all the bars. My favorite bar be- besides Skyline on the ships, and I like the Skyline and the Fantasy the best because it's got the most cities. Um, but my second favorite bar would be Pink on the Dream. I like a I like a nice glass of champagne. I think champagne goes with everything. And I think that Disney's atmosphere and theming in pink is exactly what you want in a champagne bar. And by that, I mean like, you know, you're drinking, you're on a velvet couch. Somewhere in the background is music by either Edith Piaf or Frank Sinatra, as God intended, right? You might have a popsicle in your cocktail. I don't know. Right. But this is the way, this is the way things are supposed to be. Right. And I didn't get a chance to experience anything like that on the, uh, on the, do they actually have a champagne bar? Yeah, I mean Nightingale's. I would say is the closest thing. I w- I wouldn't necessarily. It's actually, a, it's actually a gin bar. Night- Nightingale is kind of a gin bar almost. Yeah. I don't know. To me, it's got the kind of atmosphere where you would enjoy a nice glass of champagne. But I would agree, it's not. It's not as much a champagne bar as Pink or Oolala for sure. Um. So I did not get a chance to experience all of the uh, any of the other bars on the ship. Just too much running around um, to do that. I think the bars like on the pool deck and stuff like that, those are generally comparable to um, to anything else on any other uh, Disney ship or basically any other you know cruise line. I'm curious to know what you thought of Luna. I, Luna is, I'll call it a multi-purpose space. It's a bar, but it's also, it's like the replacement for the Tube, Evolutions, Azure, you know, all, basically the space for the, for bingo, as well as for some of the adult entertainment at night. I'm curious as to what you thought of the space and its use or as they're, you know, in the way that they're using it on the wish. I saw them uh, do bingo there. And then this was actually the space where Jim and I did a podcast on the ship. So Disney let us use that space for a po- uh, to record a podcast on the history of Pirates of the Caribbean. So the setup there was excellent. They gave us an AV team to do the audio. Arvind was there. He did great for us. And we had a Disney Cruise Line rep. Um, David helping us out there as well. I am. Um, I thought it was great. The stage setup is really interesting. Or uh, the the stage setup is um, both small, but because it's multi levels, it's you know there's that floor right in front of you, and then there's sort of like a balcony level. Um, everybody has a good view. Like no one's too far away from the stage. The other thing I thought that was super interesting was that the sides were open to guests walking along the corridors, which means like when I was talking and I said, "Hey, I hear they're you know Disney's giving out free drinks on deck 12, right? That was um, <laughs> that's not something that Disney appreciated, but I uh, and I immediately had to correct. But that was something that you know people outside could hear. And again, that was a joke. And I immediately said that wasn't true. <laughs> but yeah, but, so that's but that's an interesting space because I think that's the only space like that on yeah. any of the cruise lines. And I think it's it's useful to Disney because like if you're doing things like playing bingo or you've got a comedian, the fact that it's open will draw people in, mm-hmm. and that's what they want, right? They want more people to participate in that. The thing that was going on before us was karaoke. And I, and I said to Arvind, who was 
handling AV for us. Dude, I know the podcast may not be great, but at least we didn't have to sing Let It Go one more time. (laughs) (laughs) The one area that I experienced on the Wish that I really liked that I have not seen on other ships, on other Disney ships, was sort of the play area, like the the obstacle course, the Incredit course. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the Heroes Zone. Yeah. Heroes Zone. Have you done the Incredit course? No, but our friends did. So we, uh, we, I did go and watch the Incredit games. I think they called it, which was so they have it open for free play for usually one day of the cruise, like one full day. And the reason they do that is because the Hero Zone obviously is a multi-purpose space, and they like to keep it open for people to play basketball and things like that. But one full day, pretty much, it's turned into the Incredit course, which is this huge blow-up thing, and then. For like an hour and a half, maybe they have incredible games, and so teams participate and race basically. And and our two friends, we have dubbed the DCL Duo Junior. <laughs> <laughs> they actually participated in it, and they came in second place actually on the maiden voyage. So I got to do it, and because I was hosting, um, you know, uh, a bunch of people, everyone wanted to race against me. <laughs> Jim decided that he was going to cheer from a distance, which was probably the smart move. So. <laughs> You know, I line up the first time not knowing what to expect. And you've got to take your shoes off. So you're running in your socks. And the, they put me up against a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> and I was like, you know, why Why are you doing this? Number one, because like, I'm just going to try and cheat to win, right? <laughs> um, number two, I'm going to lose because I know I'm going to lose, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so the, the funny thing about the Incredit course is that it is geared to small children. Like all of the obstacles are made so that small children can get through them quickly. But if you're an adult, your size and your weight, because it's a blow-up course, works against you in every possible way. <laughs> so I, and it's, you, you'd be surprised. It's only like... I mean, it's not, it's not 20 yards long. And then you have to loop back. So it's sort of like a U-shape. And maybe... So let's say it's 20 yards there and 20 yards back. It is the most exhausting 40 yards of, <laughs> of activity. It is like a full workout in the span of like under a minute. I got to the end and I, you, you have to run up like a ladder, but it's not quite a ladder because you have to alternate the motion of your feet and your hands in climbing your ladder in a way that's exactly opposite the way that you would normally do it. You really have to think about how you're climbing this thing. And then you get to the top and then you slide down and you sort of, because it's, you know, it's, it's an inflatable thing. When you slide down and bounce, it basically bounces you off, you know, towards the wall, you know, the padded wall at the end. <laughs> and I land and I'm like on my knees and I look up at this cast member. I'm like, you know the signs of cardiac arrest and CPR, right? <laughs> and she looks down at me like, sure. <laughs> that was not the most reassuring answer. But then so I did that a few times and it was um it was a lot of fun, but uh but it's exhausting. It was uh it was great though. It was definitely fun for kids. I really enjoyed doing that. I could not do it more than three times because again, it's just it's a lot of activity. But that's something they don't have on other Disney ships that I, I also really liked on the wish. Yeah, I, I just like that it was that, that they have added the multi-purpose space because I, I think that there's tons of things that they can ultimately do with that in a way that they couldn't do with just outdoor basketball courts. So and I you kind of see see the similar rooms on like Royal, right? They've got those multi purpose spaces as well. Well, then we got to ask about restaurants. Uh, and so I know you skipped Marvel, but assuming you made it to Arendelle in 1923, and I'm just curious what you thought about the restaurant experience overall with the rotational dining. So we um, we started off at 1923, which is split into Walt and Roy sides. And because we had so many people, they actually gave us all the same seating in the same side of the restaurant. So that was super oh, fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really nice. I mean, Disney Disney did a lot for us on this cruise and I'm, I'm super appreciative uh, of it. I really liked the menu. I liked the menu best at 1923. 
I thought the food was better than I expected. And I, you know, generally I like main dining room food on Disney anyway. Food was excellent. Uh, I thought the desserts were good. Every one of my service recommendations were spot on. The one thing I didn't get to do because I was entertaining, um, I didn't get to try any of the drinks. Normally, I would ask my server to pair a cocktail with what I'm having. But because there were so many people and I, I didn't want to drink, um, I didn't get a chance to do that. But overall, I thought the food in 1923 was, was great. And the service was excellent. What do you guys think of the split layout? It, plus and minus. To me, it's it makes the seating area a little bit tight, but actually not as tight as it is in Arendelle or in Marvel. Right. But I, I don't know. I, to me, I, I didn't think it was a, you know, I don't, I didn't really have a huge negative feeling about it because at least you got some, you know, you got the windows, you got some light coming into the restaurant because of the way they shaped it. Yeah. So I would say overall to me, it wasn't a, wasn't a, a big negative, but I think all of the restaurants have a tight feel to them on the wish. Right. Um, so the the long and narrow feel is basically what I got in every restaurant. So that was night one. Um, night two, we did Polo. I had I knew, but then I forgot, and then I had to remember that Polo on the Wish is not like Polo on every other ship because on every other ship, Polo is an Italian restaurant. On the Wish, it's a French steakhouse <laughs> with the same name, which is just you know super confusing. Uh, we had some scheduling difficulties with our group there, so I don't think what I don't think our experience was representative of a typical experience at Palo. So we had some we had some issues around the service that would not normally happen if things had been scheduled properly. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, I don't think I got a fair evaluation of Palo. I would say a number of the things that I tried were. We're good. It's definitely more. The menu is more varied than the standard Palo menu. I've been. There was a point where I was on the Magic like twenty consecutive, not twenty consecutive days, but like twenty out of thirty days or whatever. And I was eating Apollo like every night, and it was I was ordering the same thing every night. And I was just you're basically getting tired of of Disney cruise food. But this was varied enough that I think that that wouldn't be a problem. I did like the fact that they've added um, because it's a steakhouse. They've added Wagyu. As an option there, uh, and those prices for Wagyu are relatively reasonable, considering you're paying Disney Cruise prices to be on the ship to begin with. I thought that was decent. I think the desserts are really good on um, on Palo. I think the service is excellent. The cocktails that we tried were very good. I need to go back again and give the food another try because again, like we had some, there were some issues there around the scheduling that caused problems. We had some. I think we had actually maybe the best food we've ever had at Palo was Palo dinner on the Wish. Um, it was also the most expensive Palo dinner sure, we'd ever sure. had. But, yeah, you tried but, enchante. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we did try enchante, but Palo was just the, not the most expensive meal, but the most expensive Palo meal we'd ever had um, because of the steak. But, but I actually found it to be decent value because we, we so we both ended up getting the the wagyu steak, which I've told people if you're platinum, you're basically getting. A free steak, and then you're paying for everything else. So I, I actually, you know, I thought the steak was excellent, and I thought the food was excellent, and I actually, the, of the of the meals that I have had to pay for on Disney Cruise Line, I thought that that was one of the more reasonable checks at the end of the night. So yeah, the the desserts on Palo, I mean, they're still doing the chocolate um, souffle, uh, souffle, which is which is very good. I don't like wet and dry food touching, so the idea of pouring sauces onto a, a souffle is not great for me from a texture perspective. But I still did it. Because it still tasted really good, so, yeah. So I thought I thought I would definitely go back to Palo if if nothing else, try everything else on the menu. We did hear a couple of our listeners were on were on your uh, podcast cruise and actually maybe won some kind of like sort of raffle or contest to have, yeah, dinner, to have dinner with, with you us. guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I hope they uh, they uh, they survived without too much emotional scarring. <laughs> 
Well, Emily and Adrian, if you're listening, oh, Len hopes Emily that Adrian. you hey, survive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was super fun. When they listen to this show, they've got enough emotional scarring as it is. So. <laughs> you know, right? and then Adrian did our um, Run Like Jack Sparrow contest as well, and he did well in it. That was, oh, uh, that was great. there you go. The other thing I liked about Paul, and I forgot about this, was they have a water menu, and I am a huge water snob. Oh, us too. Yeah, so I had gone to Victorian Albert's uh, when it reopened. So what was that, July, August? They have a water tasting menu there. And the way that they had presented the water tasting menu to match the food was that it went in increasing order of minerality. Yeah. So basically you started off with almost pure water and you got something at the end, which was like highly, you know, uh, with lots of dissolved solids. So I asked our waiter at Polo to basically do the same thing. Like give me a, a, a set of options in order of increasing minerality. And the selections there were excellent. Yeah. So I really liked that for Polo as well. Also the prices for those, some of those waters, I mean, they've got like Voss and, you know, names that you know. They have my my sort of like favorite daily water, which is San Benedetto from Italy, which is very reasonably priced. Uh, I think the most expensive bottle is like $30 for some Canadian iceberg stuff um, that only vaguely tastes like penguin. <laughs> <laughs> we like we like the San Benedetto, but we both love Hilden water. Is that the is that the, the one from like uh, Ireland, Scotland? You, yeah, 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 I think UK. UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very, yeah, those were all very, very good. And I, so I like the idea of a water menu because, you know, I'll have one drink, but I'm not going to have 10 drinks. Mm-hmm. But I will have like, you know, seven different kinds of water if that's available. Hydration is important. <laughs> so I, I really like that. I thought that was great. You're serious um, about your hydration. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really, really good addition to the, uh, to the menu. Well, what about Arendelle, Lynn? Did you make it for the Frozen show? Um, I'm hearing that Olaf might be a goner these days. But uh, what did you think of the Arendelle experience? This was interesting because, again, 150 people, we were all seated at the same time. The seat that I got was almost in the middle, directly in front of the stage, which normally would be great, but I was up against one of the pillars in the, in the room. So um, I had like one inch between my chest and the table. The people to my immediate left couldn't view the stage because the pillar was there. So basically, everyone to my left, a giant pillar in, in the way. The, uh, the other interesting thing was the lighting. When you're in the middle of the room like that, the lighting is basically looking, is beaming directly into your eyes. So it's difficult to look at the stage without getting your retinas burned. It's almost, it's almost as if like the lighting should be up even one more level. Like it was, it's almost like they designed the, the lighting should be on level two, but they've only got one level for the show. So from a, just from a physical seating perspective, it was uncomfortable. I thought it was super loud. Like when they're, playing when they're doing songs and stuff like that you, you can't have a conversation with anyone around you the performers are super talented the story was great i, I think they're actually playing the instruments too yeah they definitely are yeah as far as i can tell especially the the i'll call him fiddler but he was uh, you know electric violin i'm not sure you know if it was yeah, a violin a string or a instruments fiddle. yeah maybe that's why yeah. i can't bring the guitar on they didn't want competition maybe that was it <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know, but um yeah super talented the thing is like if you're there, you are there to watch the show and not to talk mm-hmm. uh, about anything else. And that is, that's great, right? Because it was, it was our third night, you know, I don't know that anyone wants to hear me talk for three days. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's great. But it was, it was like the least good from a dining perspective mm-hmm. of the three restaurants that I was at. And I don't know how to, how to fix that. Like the people, again, we had 150 people. A lot of them said that the viewing angles for the stage show weren't great where they were. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a ship. There's always compromises and stuff like that. Um, but that seemed to be like of all of the, of all of the places that all of the people ate at, I think everyone was least happy with Arendelle. Well, Lynn, let me see if I can start to wind us down a little bit so we can get you back to your day by asking, give us your, your, your top three highlights from the sailing. And then I'll ask a slightly different question after that. But what, what top three highlights from the sailing for you? I would say the food on the pool deck and Marceline Market, a highlight. I thought the staterooms and the overall layout of the ship um, in general were much better than I anticipated. And then my third highlight, we haven't talked about this, the ice cream parlor, the inside out theme, was amazing. Yeah. Like that, that was, that's really good ice cream. I, we were yeah. I was there, like, I think it was there every day. You know, and normally good I'm ice not, cream and good theming. Yes, and good theming. Uh, really good flavors, super intense. I'm not normally one to say that like three scoops of ice cream is worth $12, but in this case, I did it. Yeah, so that was also that was also an unexpected highlight. I didn't get a chance to go into the shops, like I said, I didn't get a chance to do all the bars, but those are my uh, those are my three favorite things. Well, we now know that the treasure's on its way. We also have you know Ship Seven coming out, and now all the speculation circulating in the Twitter sphere about whether Disney is going to buy a half built ship in Germany. As you think about the wish and some of the things that you saw that you're like, man, that that is just not working for them. Like, what sort of three pieces of advice would you give Disney Cruise Line? Is there we know they're taking feedback about the future ships and trying to incorporate it as they did with uh, the Dream and then the Fantasy. So, what, like, what what three things would you sort of say got to do this differently next time for the next ships? The one thing that I heard adults talking about was that the layout of the adult area on the pool decks, Cove Cafe and things like that, was not as easily accessible or as easily navigable as on the other ships. So uh, I didn't get a chance to try this. But um, adult area seems like an area of concern for people. Two, they've really got to... Whatever the Arendelle equivalent is going to be on the newer ships, they've really got to figure that out. Like. And, and they may need to rethink whether an elevated stage show is the kind of thing that they think they can successfully perform on a cruise ship in that kind of environment. Because the answer might be no, right? You know, third thing, I, you know, it's difficult for me. I didn't get a chance to try the spa. So difficult for me to say what the uh, the third thing would uh, would be. But I think those are the, the two big things I would look at. I did have friends who, um, who went recently and stayed concierge and loved it. And I would love to try that too. It's just, it's a little expensive right now, but you know, I've got that uh, cruise credit floating out there. So maybe who knows? There you go. Yeah. We're giving it a shot in uh, in April. And again, in August, we're combining two sailings back to back to make them seven nights. Because uh, that's the th- that's my thing is the Wish has so much to do on it. It's hard to understand that she's sort of purpose built for three night cruises. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing, Lynn, I know, you, I know you said you're not a huge drinker, but if you ever back on the Wish and you get a chance, drop by Hook's Barbary for the smoked old fashioned experience that they have there. It is one of the best drinks I've had on Disney Cruise Line. Smoked old fashioned. That sounds delightful. Yeah, yeah it's a sh- show and a drink. <laughs> can Can I ask one more question? I, I I'm curious as to whether or not you checked out any of the kids spaces. I I know you don't have kids, but I'm just curious as to whether you checked them out and what you thought. Because in my opinion, they did a much better job with the Star Wars theming in the kids club than they did in Hyperspace Lounge. I did. And I think that's true, actually. Um, so I got to walk through them very, very briefly, sort of like on our embarkation day, just to see what they were like. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought the theming was was good. I, you know, I thought they had done a decent job on the previous ships. But yeah, to your point, it's it's definitely better themed, I think, than um, 
than the hyperspace lounge, which is, again, it's kind of weird because kids, as far as I know, aren't buying drinks on the ship. <laughs> yeah. So I would, you know, I'd like to see one of two things. I'd like to see, you know, way more theming in the bars or, you know, maybe theming that they could actually, actually execute better. And I don't know that every single thing on the ship needs to be Disney intellectual property. Like the idea of a Skyline bar to me is comforting and it would be comforting for people who don't need to have, you know, Disney 24 seven, even on a Disney cruise ship. Like there needs to be a space like the Cove Cafe, you know, where you can go to and just not have, you know, cartoon characters surrounding you the entire time. And that's why I liked Skyline. I only, I bopped into Cove Cafe, like while we were doing ghost stories one night for like 30 seconds, didn't get a chance to, uh, to try it. But, um, yeah, so I need, I need another cruise where I just stay on the ship for four days and don't do anything else. Well, and if you take it, Lynn, we'd love to have you back because we always love your opinion on this stuff. Um, Lynn, let me ask one last question, which is, so where does, uh, you know, you've experienced all the other ships. So, you know, where does the wish rank for you in terms of, I guess you said your favorite were the Dream Class ships. Does uh, she beat out the Dream Class or are you eyeing the fantasy before getting back on the wish? You know, for me, it's going to come down to price. Like I said, the, um, the wish is still a 20% premium over the Dream. And, you know, all things being equal, I don't think right now it's worth that 20% premium. Like if it's a choice between the dream and even the cheapest concierge or a nice standard stateroom on the wish, I would go concierge on the dream. Like the itinerary doesn't matter that much to me because I've been, you know, all over the Caribbean. For me, then it's more about the onboard experience. So that's sort of the thing that I'm uh, thinking about. Like I said, though, I haven't seen the entire ship. I do expect that premium sort of to shrink over time. So that, you know, that answer might change. Well, Lynn, we've mentioned throughout the show, you have so many places that people can come and find and connect with you. Do you want to let folks know a few of those places where they can, uh, they can connect with you and uh, the folks at Touring Plans and your podcast? Yeah. So I uh, run this website, touringplans.com. You can find me, Lynn, at touringplans.com. I also um, co-author the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World and the Disney Cruise Line. And then I host the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. And that's on Mondays and you can find it on iTunes or wherever you consume digital media. And and we love and consume all of those things ourselves. So you're fabulous. <laughs> Touring plan subscription. I've got unofficial guides downstairs and I love listening to you and Jim uh, cut it up each week. So Lynn, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy day to talk with us. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. 
The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.